I am not sure if you are aware, but it is Pentecost Sunday. And conveniently, those in charge of the preaching schedule uh, looked around and decided that the resident presbycostal <laughs> should preach. And I was excited for the opportunity. But don't let that scare you. The celebration of Pentecost Sunday is simply a celebration of what many consider to be the birthday of the church. It was a day that was marked by a move of the Holy Spirit. It was a spirit thing. It is a recognition recognition of the day prophesied about by the prophet Joel in our Old Testament passage. A day when the Spirit of God would be recklessly poured out on all believers of all stripe, regardless of age or gender or social class or race. An event like that can only really be called a spirit thing. Pentecost and the power of God's Holy Spirit isn't something foreign to First Presbyterian Church of Amarillo. We see the events of that day beautifully laid out for us in the stained glass that sits right there in our sanctuary. I was excited when I first saw that stained glass because it reminded me that those we consider charismatic don't have a monopoly on a move of the Spirit. We all, Presbyterian and Pentecostal, Baptists and Church of Christ, were not born of the move of man but a move of the Spirit of God. It is a spirit thing. And I would love to take all day and preach about what an encounter with the Spirit does. And um, I was raised Assembly of God, so I could preach all day. (laughs) But I won't. What I will say is simply this. When you encounter the Spirit of God, You're transformed. And that brings us to our New Testament passage from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. If you have your pew Bible, you can follow us on page 1241 and 1242. It says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus And your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the work of his might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And that he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over 
all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning once more. And we ask that you would enlighten us each individually. Transform our lives through the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As Paul's writing to the church, he begins to make a list of some amazing things, some amazing qualities that he has seen in their lives. He talks about their steadfast faith. He talks about their lavish love. He talks about the fact that their lives inspire him to think thankful thoughts. And before he writes all of this, he recognizes that something has happened to them. And that's why he begins this portion of his letter with, for this reason. I'm a Bible school student. And I was always told when you see a passage that says, for this reason you better go back and look at what the reason is that he's talking about and so i began to study a little bit and look at the context of it and what i needed to do was actually to jump back a couple of verses what happened to them we find out in verses 13 and 14 of ephesians chapter 1 it says this in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. They were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And for that reason, their lives had been transformed. They had a firm faith. They had a lavish love. Their lives inspired thankful thoughts. This morning... I want to talk to you about that transformation that comes when we have an encounter with the Spirit. Because there are certain things that should be characteristic of our life that are not naturally, inherently part of who we are. Orlando's faith is not naturally firm. Orlando's love is not naturally lavish. Orlando's life doesn't always inspire thankful thoughts. But... When we have an encounter with the Spirit, the things that are not naturally and inherently part of our lives, characteristics of who we are, are transformed. And we begin to reflect God better. Paul writes and he says, the very first thing I recognize as I notice that you've been sealed with the Spirit, one of those evidences for me, Paul says, is the fact that you have a firm faith. If you have a firm faith, it's a spirit thing. Paul's writing and he mentions the fact that the faith of the Ephesians is so firm that other people have brought it to Paul's attention. They said, Paul, have you heard about the faith of our friends in the city of Ephesus? That's the kind of faith I want. I want the kind of faith that people talk about. I want the kind of faith that someone says, have you heard? Orlando's going through a hard time, but I'm inspired by his faith, his strong foundation, 
The fact that regardless of what gets thrown his way, he stands strong. Life in moments can be hard. If you don't believe me, uh, look at life on a Sunday morning, especially if you have a family. Typically on a Sunday morning, I come to church on my own um, because it keeps me calm before I preach. (laughs) (laughs) Although this morning, we came together as a family. My beautiful family is sitting in the very back. And... um, I don't know why I was a little frazzled this morning, and I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. Uh, I, um, I wanted to just reach back and just swing, but no one was in my uh, arm length range. <laughs> so I tapped the brakes just a little bit, and then they just snapped right there. Life is not easy. And if life is easy for you, Talk to me after the service, because for two reasons. I'd love to know your secret, and I'd love to just put a few of my problems on your back. And then just... <laughs> Life is not easy. It can shake our foundations. There are people looking at you to see how your faith responds to adversity. If you face your problems on your own strength, you can be sure that you will fall flat on your face. But when you've had an encounter with the Spirit of God, it transforms you and gives you strength so that you can be firm in that faith, steadfast in that faith, immovable in that faith. There's a wonderful parable that comes to us out of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, if you'd like to read it later on, verse 24 through 27. And it tells us about two builders of a house. And it says, the wise man built his house on the rock. And the storm comes, and the wind blows, and the house stands firm. And it says, but the foolish man, the foolish man built his house on the sand. And those same storms came. And those same winds blew. But that house didn't stand. That house fell. What's more, it finishes by saying, and the fall of that house was great. Not meaning wonderful. Meaning it was a pretty big fall. If you put hands and feet on a steadfast faith, What might that look like? I think it might look a little bit like a Darcy Milso. I didn't know Darcy personally, but I've heard her story a little bit. If you've been around First Pres the last few years, you've probably heard her story. But I had an opportunity to speak with her sister yesterday, Andy. Or rather, during this week. I had an opportunity to speak with Andy this week to get to know Darcy's story a little bit more. And what I'd like to do this morning is actually share with you a little bit, a little excerpt from an online journal she had. Um, For those of you who don't know Darcy, her story really is a story of steadfast faith. Darcy was diagnosed with cancer in 2011. 
She passed away in April 2013, uh, and she left behind lots of friends and family, a loving husband, and three children that were loved, Kale, Emma, Dawson. And by her own admission, as I read her little blog, it was a roller coaster of a battle that she had. And she said for every one good day, she probably had a string of ten bad days. And if anyone had an excuse to falter in their faith, it was Darcy. But allow me to read to you from her journal entry dated January the 29th, 2013, three months before she passed away. Yep, this is it. My last journal entry for this roller coaster of a journal. The CT scan showed increased tumors throughout my liver and abdomen as well as a new large tumor located in my lower right pelvis. The chemotherapy has run its course and and it is no longer working. It is time. How much time? God knows. I am living moment to moment. Little things like cleaning out my purse can bring me to my knees with grief. Celebrating my birthday today was full of bittersweet emotions. Only God knows, but this is most likely my last birthday here on earth. Yes, the thought of celebrating my birthday with Jesus by my side, helping to blow out my candles, is remarkable. I, of course, find comfort knowing that Jesus is waiting for me with open arms. I cannot wait to be healed. I cannot wait to fall to my knees and look upon our Savior's face. I am curious and eager. And in the midst of her sickness, knowing that she might have just a few months left, she writes, I have been blessed beyond measure for 40 years. I must stop there, because if I were to regale you with every tidbit of my love affair with this life, my my computer would surely catch on fire and implode. He, he, love Darcy. When you face the difficult circumstances of life and steadfast in your faith, you can, like Paul and like Darcy, say, I have run the race. There is now in store for me a crown. Will you let the Spirit of God transform your faith so that it might be firm in the day of testing? What happens when we have an encounter with the Spirit of God? We have a firm faith. We also have a lavish love. If you have a lavish love, Probably a spirit thing. Paul not only hears the testimony of the firm faith of the Ephesians, he's also heard heard about stories of their lavish love. What better proof is there that a person has had a transforming encounter with the Spirit of God than seeing them love lavishly? One of my favorite all-time verses, John 11.35. It says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, 
if you have love one for another. I like that. The proof is in the pudding. It says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. It doesn't say, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have very large Bibles. No, that it's not, that's not what it says. It does not say, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you wear bow ties on Sunday morning. That's not it. That's not the clue. That's not, that's not the giveaway. That's not the proof. The proof is simply, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Ask yourself this, is your love lavish? I mean really lavish. I'm not talking about loving those who love you. It's easy for me to love my wife because she loves me back most times. It's easy for me to love my children. They're my children. It's easy for me to love my friends because they're my friends. But if I can lavish love on someone who can give me nothing, I prove that I've been transformed by the Spirit of God. Lavish love is extravagant. It loves the outcast, it loves the downcast, it loves the downtrodden. And it looks a lot like a couple of friends I have. His name is Doug and her name is Sue. You probably know them, they come here to church with us. For the last 11 years, they've been house parents at the Presbyterian Home for Children. I talked to Doug this week. He said in those years, 50 to 60 kids have come through their doors. Kids that are not theirs biologically. Kids that they don't have to love. But they choose to lavish love on. Some kids come from easy circumstances. Some kids come from very difficult circumstances. But all of these kids share one thing. They have the unconditional, lavish love of Doug and Sue. I got invited to their cottage to share a meal with them once, and I was impressed just by everything I saw, but more than anything, I was impressed by the fact that I could tell that each one of those kids in their home knew that they were loved. That's what lavish love looks like. And your lavish love is proof that you've had a transforming encounter with the Spirit of God. Will you allow the Spirit of God to transform your love so that you can love lavishly and extravagantly? Paul says, I've rec- I recognize that your life has been transformed by the Spirit because of your firm faith, because of your lavish love. And then he says, I also recognize this because every time I think of you, I can't help but be thankful. What an amazing testimony! Not only does he see the transformation of their lives, their lives have transformed his. He's more thankful because of them. He says, every time I remember you, he writes things like that. I can't stop thanking God for you. If you're anything like me, you are thankful for everyone in your life. I am thankful for everybody. Some, when they walk in the room... Others when they walk out of the room. But I'm thankful for everybody. 
I want to be one of those people that you're thankful for when I walk in the room. I want you to see my life and be inspired to say, God, thank you for that man. Does your life inspire people to say, dear God, thanks? Or does your life inspire people just to say, dear God? (laughs) What does a life that inspires thankfulness look like? I was thinking about that, and it reminds me very much of our very own Murray Gossett, who probably, if you were standing here, would say, one of the most humble, wonderful men I know. I like passing by him from time to time because I know he's going to look at me and say, Orlando, I prayed for you this morning. And I think, thank God for that man. We went to Bolivia together a year ago. And he had gone to Bolivia a year before that. And we had, when he had gone a year before that, a mother handed him a little note asking for prayer for her son. We went back a year later, and Murray told her, I've been praying for your son, and pulled out the note that she had written to him. And I thought, I know Murray's been praying for that boy. Thank God for Murray. Is it a Murray thing? No. It's a spirit of, it's a spirit thing. The spirit of God has transformed Murray's life in such a way that when people look at him, they can't help but think thankful thoughts. Will you allow the spirit of God to transform your life so that it causes others when they think of you to think thankfulness? An encounter with the Spirit of God will transform you. It'll make your faith firm. It'll make your love lavish. It will make people thank God for you. I encourage you. Don't ever be afraid of a move of the Spirit. Because it only serves to transform your life so that you might be more like God. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that we are people born of a move of the Spirit. And we ask that you would continue through your Spirit to transform our lives. Make our faith firm. Make our love lavish. Help us inspire others to think thankfulness. All for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.